three. Should the Bulls foul? No. Anthony for three. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. I'm Shri. And we're recording this on the night of <laughs> April's 5th. Uh, yes, we're recording close to midnight. It's around 1230 right now in the a.m. We stay up late to fuel your podcast desire. So you're welcome. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, uh, thank you. <laughs> um, keep following our Instagram page, our Spotify page, Apple Music, everything. Uh, we hope you're all staying safe. Uh, we know this quarantine right now in California is at least until April 30th, probably longer. But yeah, whatever happens, we hope that you're all staying safe, washing your hands, trying to enjoy whatever time you have with your family, loved ones. And yeah, we're just trying to keep on grinding out that content for you guys. Exactly. So once again, we want to thank you. Uh, thank everyone here who's listening for following our Instagram page. If you did, we donated uh, today and we donated a total of $120 to coronavirus relief. And that's mainly for getting personal protective equipment, PPE, which is masks and other things for the healthcare workers who were on the front lines. So anyone who knows a healthcare worker that's on the front lines fighting this disease, please Tell them, give them our gratitude, and I'm sure every listener here will give them them their gratitude as well. So we just donated today. We encourage you guys, if you have the money to donate as well, this is really the fight of some people's lives, and we really want to thank everyone that's doing their part to help this try and go away as fast as possible. Word, word. I mean, these healthcare workers are doing so much. It's It's the least we can do to just pitch in a little bit and try and make their lives a little easier as they're exposed to the virus day in and day out with patience so yeah just keep it up um stay on top of your news and just be aware yeah exactly and again if you haven't followed our instagram page yet please do podcast.lockedin to stay tuned for our latest updates we're posting regularly um trying to bomb you guys with content we know that it might get a little bit annoying but at the same time we want to make sure the users are updated on everything that we're doing but now switching our focus to the actual news of sports uh, for the past week or so it's been pretty quiet but today there was a lot of sports news so let's go ahead and talk about that so in the sports world today president trump met with the leaders of most of the major league sports including the mlb nba nfl wnba nhl pga ufc wwe nascar and mls surprisingly no ncaa a lot of people had some things to talk about that especially with march madness getting canceled and the whole can athletes come back for a fourth year there's actually a fifth year deal but anyways out of that the nfl draft is going to be held virtually now and president trump wants the nfl season to start on time the nba season also might be canceled and other nba news the nba might televise a horse tournament um, virtually, that's going to be hosted by ESPN, in which no players are going to be on the same court. Also, we have some other news, but Shri, let's talk about all that happening today. Essentially, Trump meeting with the major sports league leaders. What do you think about that? What do you have to say about the NFL draft potentially being online or virtual? I guess not really online. The NBA season being canceled. For the NFL draft, at least, it's the smart thing to do just because you don't want that many people all together at the same place obviously with now all the the social distancing and protective shelter all these guidelines it, it just makes more sense for the prospects to stay at home get ready for the draft however they do but just 
just isolated on their own. And I think with this with this idea of the NFL starting back on time, it's definitely optimistic given how the the virus is progressing right now. There's just more and more cases going on. And yeah, it seems like a long way from now, all the way in the late fall, but who knows? I mean, we have no timetable on the progression of the virus. We don't we don't really know and healthcare experts themselves don't really know. So I think it's idealistic at best for the NFL to start on time. But as for the NBA news, I think the horse tournament's kind of cool because I know a lot of players have their in-home gyms and their basketball courts set up. So it would be a nice way to, for for all our fans to get our basketball fixes, but also for the players to kind of do something meaningful in their sport again. I know it's been a while that they haven't really been active on the court. So it'll be a good change of pace with everything going on. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be kind of sad, though. There are a lot of NBA players that don't necessarily have access to a basketball court in their house. Not every single person is LeBron James. You know, a lot of the younger <laughs> players that are new haven't necessarily signed their big contracts yet. They probably live in nice apartments. Of course, they're millionaires, but they don't have that much money to literally have a full-size basketball court in their in, in their backyard. So it's going to suck. I think we're going to only going to see a limited number of players, essentially, the elite of the elite, but also that'll be fun. You know, it's going to be cool seeing potentially LeBron James playing horse against, uh, I don't know, like Giannis, for example. That would be super cool to see. So excited to hear about that. Also, in other NBA news, the NBA, or not the NBA Hall of Fame, but the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame inductees for 2020 were announced today. And they are Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan. That is a stacked class. Rest in peace to the late, great Kobe Bryant. But these are three of the generational talents of the last 20-plus years. You have Kobe, who was the flashy one, the one who was Michael Jordan's heir, kind of emulated his play style, his work ethic, and took it to other levels, honestly, with the way he, he came in early to the gym, left the gym latest, and then you have KG, who had a similar mindset and mentality with that I-will-not-lose-to-anyone attitude. But he kind of took a different approach. He wasn't really a winner to the extent he was in Boston when he started off his career in Minnesota. Obviously, he was the only reason the Timberwolves were relevant. But yeah, KG is definitely an icon, one of the best power forwards in NBA history. His, his legacy in Boston and beyond is going to be remembered well. And then you have the silent one in Tim Duncan, who... The big fundamental, he just went about his business, racked up five rings, numerous NBA records, 15-time All-Star, one of the best players this league has ever seen. Definitely top 10, if not top 5, but what a class. Yeah, I, I agree that the talent in this class is unlike any other, and these are players that me and you, Shri, have seen growing up. You know, I think we probably started following basketball around 2005, 2006, and we've seen Tim Duncan win a few championships. You've seen Kobe win a few championships. We we saw KG win his only championship. And we saw these players enter their prime and their late prime and just be absolutely stellar basketball players. All three of them with very different legacies, but all three of them with very influential legacies and millions of fans across the league. I'm really glad that this good news was released at a time like this so we can go back and watch their highlights. People know about Kobe's greatness. People know about KD, uh, KG's tenacity. People forget how great Tim Duncan was, how underrated a player he was. And now he's doing pretty good things, being on the bench of that San Antonio Spurs team, potentially next in line to be head coach there. 
Well, there's also Becky Hammond, of course, but you know potentially moving up to be a head coach somewhere else. We know he has that in him as well. But just in general, a great, great Hall of Fame lineup. Super cool to see two of those people, K, uh, KG and Kobe, came out of high school straight to the NBA. So it's really cool. They were two of the last players that, to do that that were you know, really successful. So I think it's super cool to see that as well. But I think overall... A great Hall of Fame class, some amazing talent, and of course, everyone in the sports world and across the world was saddened to hear the death of Kobe Bryant. So at least it, it was almost inevitable that he was going to make the Hall of Fame before his death and after his death. It was, of course, inevitable, but I think regardless, I'm very happy to see, especially as a Kobe and Laker fan, but in general as a basketball fan, to see these three players deserve to go into the Hall of Fame where they belong. Yeah, and it's going to be a really emotional ceremony, I think, when they're inducted, just because Kobe and KG and Kobe and Duncan, they've had a lot of battles, whether it's the playoffs, regular season, just intense, intense matchups. Um, I know they probably didn't go at each other individually often just because of positional difference, but these are three of the best competitors in NBA history, and I know the speeches are going to be tearful. There's going to be a lot of laughs, a lot of love given between the families of all of the inductees, and it's just going to be a good time for basketball when that happens. It's kind of going to remind us that we saw all these players grow into their own. We saw them transition into post-career. And then the unfortunate, tragic passing of Kobe kind of just put us in our place and reminded us that basketball, yeah, it is a sport, but it's a lot more. It's a brotherhood amongst all these players. So really looking forward to all of that happening later on. Yeah, hopefully the actual ceremony doesn't get canceled and we can see it. I know a lot of people have talked about they wish they could see Kobe's Hall of Fame speech. Hopefully he had one prepared, or if not, I'm sure Vanessa Bryant will give a great speech. We all saw her speech at Kobe Bryant's memorial, and it was honestly amazing and powerful. So mm-hmm. very, very excited to see the the ceremony. Hopefully it still happens with the delay to a point where it does happen, because I do not want that to happen virtually. I want people there in person and want crying, because I know it's going to be a very emotional time. But exactly. Mm-hmm. And also some other news, um, ESPN's Jordan documentary is going to be released soon. I believe it's going to be released on April 16th on ESPN. It's titled Jordan, The Last Dance. It's a six-part documentary series about Jordan and the Bulls in the 90s. A lot of people have talked about this. This has been a very hyped docuseries about ESPN, who is known for having some pretty good sports documentaries. They do those 30, 30 for 30 films, which are usually really great. And they've been working on this for a very long time have a lot of people that are supposed to be in this documentary, including the late, great Kobe Bryant. And LeBron James and Richard Jefferson was, were talking about this last week, and they were saying if this, there was any time to release this, ESPN to release this now. ESPN, of course, listened to the best basketball player on the planet right now, one of the most influential athletes on the planet right now. And they said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and release that. So I'm not sure if they had this finished and they're just going to go ahead and release it now. I'm not sure if... Listening to LeBron, they were like, yeah, let's finish it real quick. I'm not sure what happened there, but it's going to be released soon. Very excited to watch that. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the greatest basketball player of all time. We get to see some of the behind the scenes on how that team operated, how practices were run, kind of the dynamics between he and Scotty, he and Rodman, um, how Steve Kerr fit in on that team, how Jordan kind of inspired players that he was competing against players that followed him and it's going to be really nice to kind of get that inside look into Michael and yeah these tapes were initially going to be released like well down the line but 
now with no basketball for the foreseeable future, this is the perfect, perfect time to release this. Definitely, yeah. I'm really excited to watch it. Cool. Awesome. So now we're going to move on to our Rank That segment, the most popular segment of this show. Thank you for listening. Also, for listening our, so far. also our only segment of our show. We have three segments. We have our new segment, we have Rank That, and we have Extra Time. But usually we talk so much in Rank That that there's no extra time. Uh, but again, our most popular segment, Rank That. So today we're going to be ranking the top 10 most underrated influential athletes. So what this means is we all know that Michael Jordan was super influential, but there are other athletes that are very influential that may not come to our mind. Uh, so we're going to basically be talking about athletes that we think are super influential to the sports landscape today that people tend to forget. So me and Tree have each compiled two different lists. We'll be going through our lists individually or not individually, but we'll be going through our lists one by one. So she will talk about his 10th person. I will talk about my 10th person, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll be going through and we'll see who we believe was the most underrated athlete that has the greatest influence in sports. All right, let's get this started. For my 10, I have I have Colin Kaepernick, and I really wasn't sure whether he qualified for this list just because there was so much coverage about him and all that happened back in 2016 when he knelt for the anthem, but he he really kind of changed how football and social justice messages were like inextricably linked afterwards cuz when he kneeled he sparked one of the biggest controversies in the NFL's what 100 year history and it it pretty much was the end of his playing career but the way he got so many athletes and so many people across the United States and the world just supporting him in his message i think that that kind of shows how influential he was in that time. And now he's genuinely an activist. He He's not too worried about his playing career, even though he should be on an NFL roster. I mean, we have Blake Bortles in the league, for crying out loud. We need Colin Kaepernick on an NFL team. But, yeah, he had, he had Trump speaking out about him kneeling. He had owners leaving games. He had players disagree with him. He had a lot of players agree with him. And for all of that, I think Kaepernick deserves a spot as kind of one of the influential people in sports in the last 20 years if not more yeah i agree he's super influential i just thought he wasn't underrated because so many people are always talking about him but i definitely agree with everything you said about him super influential very happy that he's bringing light to some issues i guess i kind of said underrated for cap just because when people talk about football players they'll say brady rogers um People even say Adrian Peterson kind of revolutionized that running back position in the the late two thousands, but I I don't I don't know I just people won't mention Cap, but I guess his impact is like more than an athlete. But no, yeah, I think that's true. I think a lot of people when they're talking about influence, they don't see the social side of it. They only see the athletic side of it. So people might not see Cap as that. So definitely mm-hmm. agree with that. My number 10 athlete was Jason Williams, a.k.a. White Chocolate, who many of you guys may not have heard of him. He is, in my opinion, one of the greatest passers in the NBA and a legend. He brought this street ball aspect to the NBA. He was known for doing all kinds of ridiculous, crazy passes. In the All-Star game one time, he made a pass with his elbow. He faked it behind the back and used his right elbow to hit the ball backwards. 
and the person who got the ball, I, I forgot who it was, but they missed the layup, which was a travesty because that would have been literally one of the greatest assists of all time. But he was known for his amazing handles. As an overall basketball player, he had some skills in terms of he was a pretty good shooter. He wasn't super accurate, but when he was on fire, he was on fire. He would hit some nice fadeaways, some nice step backs, some good three-pointers. But the reason why I loved him is I think, especially in the early to mid-90s, there was a really big development in terms of streetball. There always has, but especially during that time. And streetball kind of evolved into its own separate genre of basketball. It wasn't necessarily seen to be competent with regular hardwood court style basketball. So you really saw these sort of two types of basketball styles evolving. And that's where, you know, some legendary basketball movies like White Men Can Jump come from, the sort of streetball aspect. And I think Jason Williams brought that to the NBA and brought that influence to what we now see as crazy, crazy passers. And I think you see his influence today in some of the best handlers and best passers in the NBA with people like Kyrie Irving, for example. So there's other people out there. There's people on YouTube like The Professor who are always doing these streetball type crazy passes, crazy handles and stuff. But I think Jason Williams, White Chocolate, brought that to the NBA. It was really influential in that aspect. He definitely injected some life into the league when it needed it most. And those Kings teams were ridiculously fun to watch. When he and Weber were on the same team, their their connections were insane. Like, I think I was deciding between Jason Williams, Colin Kaepernick, and like a couple other people for that 10 spot. Could have been any of them, but yeah, it was tough leaving him off the list. He was... An influencer for sure. Yeah, the early 2000s in the NBA weren't the most exciting time. You did have Kobe and Shaq, of course, but the style of play was very straightforward. It wasn't as physical as the 90s, and it wasn't as fast-paced as the mid to late 2000s, and especially as fast-paced today and three-ball today. So it was kind of like a regular sort of monotonic basketball, and I think Jason Williams, just whatever he played, or whenever he played, sorry, just brought life to the game and made it interesting and fun to watch oh yeah many kids just grew up wanting to be like white chocolate <laughs> so good pick impossible i've tried some of his passes literally impossible dude he'll I like look another way and whip it with the offhand bounce pass a dime for a layup like that like he had vision that very few people have he's just too good all right i'm gonna move on to nine i tried to diversify this list because i honestly was just gonna pick 10 basketball players but i tried to change up the sports i have brooks kepka at nine and for those who don't know he is one of the best golfers in the pga right now and just to show you his 2019 major results there are four majors in golf kind of like tennis um he made all four cuts he had four top 10 finishes one win and he made 4.6 million in just those four majors. And he played a total of 21 events in which he placed in the top 10 in nine of those 21 other events. So Kepka's success as a golfer, he's definitely inspiring a younger wave of golfers. I know some of my friends who play golf, like they're all obviously in awe of Tiger and Phil and kind of all the old heads in our sport right now. But when you ask them, like, who do you who do you model your swing after? Like, what are your mechanics based off of? They say, oh, I just watched a lot of Brooks Kepka. So I feel like he's inspiring some of these younger golfers, these younger players who, who want to make it big. So I have him at nine, which is kind of, kind of weird, but 
I just thought he's done a lot for the sport. I think he's done a lot for the sport. I do love Brooks Kepka. I just think he hasn't gotten the influence that he needs to be on this list yet. I think he's a great player, and I think he's done a lot, but I just don't see him being a very influential athlete, just in my personal opinion. I think in golf, there's a lot more influential athletes like Phil Mickelson, like Tiger Woods. So I just, I, just in my opinion, I don't think he's done enough to, to make this list. But Yeah, the, the ones you said are definitely more influential. I just thought he's that's why he's underrated, just because people, people don't really know about him. And a lot of people just, like, honestly, they just don't follow golf. But maybe he's, he's a, making he's waves considered in a golfer's sport. golfer. So, hmm? I think he's considered like a golfer's golfer. Exactly. Like within the sport, he's he's regarded as a god. But a lot of people just don't know about him, and the the very casual fans do only know those like two or three big names: McElroy, Nicholson, Tiger. But he's been doing good things for golf. Definitely. My number nine athlete was Michael Vick. I'm sure you have him somewhere on your list too, Shri. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just he was one of the most influential athletes and football players in the 2000s. He was legendary. He was incredible. He was supremely talented, especially in the early to mid-2000s. He was such a cheat code in real life and in video games. He he was crazy in Madden 04. He was literally unstoppable. You could run around in circles with him and still somehow score a touchdown. And he really defined and created a new mold for quarterbacks. Before him, quarterbacks were people like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Under the gun, straight pocket passers. And very rarely do you see a person that deviated from that. You did have people like Brett Favre and and John Elway, but they were also kind of from the same gunslinging type of mentality. And I think Michael Vick literally created an entirely new type of quarterback. There were his predecessors, Dante Culpepper, Warren Moon, and a few others, but still I think Michael Vick was literally the quarterback who first showed people that quarterbacks are also athletes. And I think now, especially in today's NFL, you see that with the reigning NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson. It's a very similar playing style to Michael Vick. I think it's undeniable that his influence is there. It's just a lot of times we forget it because of the fact that quarterbacks are generally seen as pocket passers type deal. But I think anytime we talk about the quarterback position, Michael Vick should be one of the top three most influential quarterbacks of all time. But people always forget him. Nobody puts him on those lists. That's why I'm putting him on my list. I wholeheartedly agree with Vic. He, he's a gunslinger in such a non-traditional sense. In that, like Favre and like Elway, he he bombed the ball. He would take. He would make all a lot of risky throws. But the fact that his legs could completely alter the dynamic of a player, a game, like you never felt comfortable with giving him time in the pocket just because of all the different options he had. I remember. I, I'll always remember him and Deshaun Jackson on the Eagles as an unstoppable force. There was that one comeback they had. I, ah, I forget if it was the Redskins or the, the Giants. It was a ridiculous... I think it was the Redskins. It might have been the Redskins, but... Oh, no, it wasn't It wasn't the Redskins. The Redskins, they blew them out so badly that Albert Hainsworth in the fourth quarter, halfway through, just gave up and sat on the ground. Like, he, he got pushed down by the O-line and he just fell on the ground. They were leading, like, 50-something to, like, 
six. I no, think. you're right. So I think the game was against the Giants where the the Giants punter like in the end just ended up giving it to Deshaun Jackson and he returned it. I think Miracle at the Meadowlands part two. Yeah, I think Vic was the quarterback that game, but he single handedly altered that game with his his threat with his feet. So yeah, I agree with Vic being on this list. There, sure. There's this one play where Michael Vick chucks it down the field to Deshaun Jackson, and it looks like Michael Vick literally, like, just with the wrist, like, just moves his wrist ever so slightly, and the ball's flying down the field. And he's at, like, his 20 or 30. The ball's just in the air, in the air. And Deshaun Jackson catches it at the other 30-yard line, and it feels like the ball was in the air for, like, 10 minutes, and it's just an easy open touchdown. That's one of the most effortless plays of in NFL in the NFL I've ever seen. But I know that like only Michael Vick and a few other players like Brett Favre, Patrick Mahomes type deal could pull that off. It, are Vick and Jackson the most athletic wide receiver quarterback combo of all time? Yeah. Um I no, yeah, I think so. Actually, wait, never mind. There's Tom Brady and Randy Moss, and you know there's no there's a quarterback more athletic than Tom Brady, mm, right? We love it. Tom you got to have that duo. He has that that three second forty. Oh yeah, dude, legendary. Have you seen his combine tape, dude? It was insane. The TB twelve method, dude. You already know TB twelve method. No, I I think I think Vic and Jackson are probably the two best. Actually, I, I would I would personally say that I think um, Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown are gonna challenge that. I hate. Love of Hollywood Brown. Oklahoma, baby. And they he torched, torched UT every single time. He was you have no idea how happy I was to see him get drafted. Also with the nickname like Hollywood, that's so epic. He was he's so good, dude. Like Kyler Murray would just like touch the ball and pass it to him. Like do the same type of thing that like Vic and Jackson used to do. It was just insane how good Hollywood Brown was at OU. And he's still super good, I think. On the Ravens, he had, a f- I think, three or four touchdowns in his first game. He's like a big no, two like or three a, touchdowns in his first game. Huge big this play past threat. Season. Yeah, but so yeah. I think those two are a competitor, a competitive pair. But I think right now it stands is Vic and Jackson. Vic Jackson, Mahomes, Hill, and Brown and Lamar. I think those three yeah. in some order. But yeah, for sure. All right, for my eighth, I have Gabby Douglas and. I told you I'm getting hella diverse out here. She was part of the the Fierce Five gymnastics core back in 2012 that sparked a huge cultural shift in the United States with viewing gymnastics and kind of appreciating the sport a little more. Um, Gabby is the first African-American to win the individual all-around Olympic gold medal. And she's she served as a role model for a lot of young people picking up gymnastics and that that team in general, I, I could put the whole team, but I'm just going to put Gabby because of that individual feat. But she she's kind of given rise to a lot of young African-American gymnasts, aspiring gymnasts. And that's that's pretty remarkable that she's managed to accomplish all that. I know with gymnastics, it's tough because they have such a short prime and now she's 24 and her chance at participating in this Olympics is now again in jeopardy. But yeah, I just wanted to show her some appreciation. Definitely, yeah. I agree. She was super legendary. That 5-5 five, five team had me watching gymnastics for the first time and seeing how <laughs> difficult a sport, a sport it was. I think I've always known it's too difficult because no way I could do any of that. But still, I think it had the world watching and showing people like, yeah, 
gymnastics is an incredibly difficult and talented sport and she was definitely a corner piece of a cornerstone to that to that team so yeah Mikhail, wholeheartedly agree with you there Michaela Maroney Ali Raisman Gabby Douglas that that was fun to watch definitely so for my number eight I have Michael Phelps I think the reason why I have him is because people forget about swimming in Michael Phelps until the Olympics come around. It's like a four-year cycle. It's like every four years they remember him. Everyone talks about Usain Bolt all the time. I feel like he's very relevant in pop culture, but I feel like Michael Phelps falls out of the sort of zeitgeist every four years until the Olympics roll around. So that's why I'm putting him on because I think he's genuinely the first celebrity swimmer that our country has seen and the world has seen since Mark Spitz. But even then, he's arguably one of the most dominant athletes of all time, winning gold medals at, I believe, four different Olympics. Winning medals at four different Olympics. I think gold medals at three different Olympics. Athens in 04, Beijing in 08, London in 12, and then Rio de Janeiro in 16. And I think he's the first celebrity swimmer. And you, if you ask people in the 80s or 90s, do you think a swimmer would be a celebrity? They'd be like, everyone can swim, bro. Like, what do you mean? So I think it's just crazy to me that like Michael Phelps is a real celebrity. And he's loved in Maryland, especially in Baltimore, where he's from. So I, I just personally, me, I think people don't give him the credit they need or he People don't give him the credit he deserves until the Olympics roll around. They watch swimming. They're like, oh, yeah, bro, Michael Phelps, 16 gold medals or whatever, right? But other than that, like, they, if they forget about him, I feel like Michael Phelps is such a legendary athlete that he should be in the back of people's minds all the time. So, I agree with almost everything you said. I just can't get past the underrated part. Like, he's... If, he's if there's a swimmer that everyone knows, it is Michael Phelps. He's underrated three months and three years and 11 months of like every four years. It's only when the the one month when the Olympics come around, people are like, oh, yeah. I, 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 I guarantee you, if you stop people on the street and you're like, hey, who are some of the best athletes of all time? Very few of them are going to name Michael Phelps. Like even you said, oh, yeah, my list is probably going to be all basketball. So that's why I think he's underrated in the fact that he comes from a sport that's not very popular. I just, I mean, we're talking about underratedly influential, and I think in terms of swimming, he's the most influential swimmer of all time. I think he's the most influential swimmer, and he made swimming more influential, which makes him underrated. All right, to to each his own. I definitely agree with everything else, though. The guy's a legend. Mm. All right, are we, at, are we at seven? Seven now. I have Pau Gasol, who... He's probably the most unheralded star of our generation in the NBA. I'm not going to say superstar because that was Tim Duncan, but Paul Gasol single-handedly changed the outcome of Kobe's later L.A. Lakers career because when that trade happened and Kwame Brown went, Kwame Brown was traded and Paul Gasol came Kwame from the Grizzlies. Kwame Brown. Dude, the legend Kwame. But Gasol enabled that back-to-back championship run because... Kobe had Odom, but he didn't really have that that second star. And Bynum was still developing into what would be a very short, good career. But Gasol's ability to, to finish at the rim, to facilitate one of the best big men 
passers this league has seen, kind of setting a precedent for Jokic and some of these other, even his brother, Mark, the way they play. Um, Gasol's been loved everywhere. He's His contributions to his national team, the Spanish national team, can't be understated. Um, yeah, I just think he's done a lot for the game of basketball, a lot for... A lot for Kobe Bryant, honestly, in terms of Kobe's legacy. And he's he's never going to be talked about with that same level that a lot of Hall of Famers are. But Pau Gasol is a Hall of Famer. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, I, as, as a Laker fan, I 100% agree with everything you're saying. I think it would have been very difficult for Kobe to win those two rings without Pau Gasol. Love their dynamic. And I think he was super good on the Spanish national team as well. And he definitely deserves some props for that. So one of the greats, honestly. Mm-hmm. Love Pagasol. So my number seven was two people. One of them you already talked about, Gabby Douglas. And the other person, Simone Biles. I think they're both around the same age. Gabby Douglas is 24. Simone Biles is 23. Both of them incredibly great athletes, especially gymnasts. Gabby Douglas was in the 2012 Olympics and Simone Biles in the 2016 Olympics. And I just think both of those people, you already talked a lot about Gabby Douglas, so I'll talk a little bit more about Simone Biles. A lot of people consider Simone Biles to be potentially one of the greatest gymnasts of all time. She is known for doing ridiculously difficult um, gymnastics routines, and she's incredibly athletic. I've watched a lot of videos, especially some sports science videos on Simone Biles, and the things she does are not supposed to be possible to be done by a human, but she somehow completes them. And I think both of them, especially both of them being African-Americans and being in a sport that in America at least seems pretty um, white dominated, I think is a great thing. Bring more diversity to the sport of gymnastics. So overall, love them both. And I think they really brought gymnastics to the forefront two consecutive olympics in a row and now simone biles is a bona fide celebrity especially more than gabby douglas no offense to gabby douglas love her but simone biles is in the pop culture a lot more she's in the zeitgeist she's super relevant she shows up all the time on tv and stuff so that's why i think it's it's incredible that a gymnast is super popular and everyone knows them so yeah, I, I have no issues with that. And it's a testament to her that if she places second at any meet or event, it's a shock. Like you, At this point, you expect her to dominate every single event. And it's unfortunate that gymnastics aren't as mainstream as a lot of these other sports just because of how difficult the sport is, how niche it is, how few people actually end up um, making it to that grand stage. And it's it's hard to market it, but... Yeah, I agree. Simone Biles is fantastic. Yeah, speaking of gymnastics, what's your favorite gymnastics event to watch? Dude, dude, mine is vaulting. <laughs> nice, yeah. I'm more of a pommel horse guy myself. I think it's mm. incredibly difficult. I don't know how they even do that. Are though. you a men's gymnastics or women's gymnastics fan? I like watching both, honestly. Mm-hmm. It really depends on... on I like I, I don't have a preference. I think the floor routines are fine. I... I I'm not too particular about them, but it's yeah. I mean, I think I think for me, it's just the floor routines. I I don't understand. I don't have a gauge on what is good and what is bad. Yeah, like, like all the, the, the minute and eyeing. the minute point deductions. I I can't discern where someone messed up or not. So it's just tough to critically view. Yeah, 
I think that's the one that's hardest for me when I'm watching. I'm like, I have no idea why the judges gave you guys that. But okay, sure. Like, everything seems good to me. So. Yeah. All right. For six, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's Michael Vick. We already talked about him. He He's the best running quarterback of all time. I'm just going to say it right now. Hopefully, Lamar does some crazy things, continues to do these awesome things, and changes my mind. But... Michael Vick scared me. When I saw Michael Vick playing and he was going against the team, I was semi-supporting or just wanted to win. I had no faith in my team just because Michael Vick was on the other team. And yeah, Vick has a complicated legacy with the 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 off-the-field stuff. I don't really want to talk about that right now just because it's not great. (laughs) But I don't know. In, In a pure football sense... There's not a lot of people who I can say change the sport more than Michael Vick. 100% agree with everything you said. Did not also want to bring up his off-the-field issues, not because I don't want to talk about them. I think there's a time and place to talk about them. Maybe we could talk about it in another episode, but I think in terms of influence, he influenced the sport and lots of athletes. But it's regrettable those decisions he made. And it definitely made me rethink calling him one of my favorite football players because I think we have to take what people do both on and off the field seriously. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of pure influence, it's undeniable how influential he was. Yeah. So my number six player was David Beckham. Um, He was a very popular and still is a very popular person across the world. Honestly, right now, he's more celebrity than athlete. Um, But I think... When he started coming up, becoming a soccer player, he started becoming very popular in England. And then he somehow had this like cross-cultural appeal to appeal to people in America and also somehow people like in India. There's this Indian movie called Bend It Like Beckham. I'm not sure if you've watched it mm-hmm. or anyone listening has watched it. It's absolutely hilarious. So the guy has a movie named after him. Super influential. But really, I think he was one of the first soccer players that a lot of Americans knew who he was. And they knew who he was before he came to the MLS. Then he came to the MLS. Really helped popularize this league. Played for the LA Galaxy, of course, for such a long time. And now is the owner of the new Miami FC team in the MLS. So he's just honestly super influential, especially for American male soccer. Soccer is not a very popular sport in America compared to abroad. But I think there's one athlete who's not even an American that was super influential to American soccer, it's David Beckham. And I think people forget to give him credit. People when talking about famous American soccer athletes talk about, deservedly so, people like Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Freddie Adu. But people forget that David Beckham is, in my opinion, essentially the, the most influential, and putting this in air quotes, American soccer player of all time. Because although he's not American, I think he's done more for American soccer than David, uh, sorry, than Landon Donovan or Clint Dempsey. He's popularized the MLS to literally be, you know, a, a, a pretty pretty legitimate league at this point, a pretty legitimate soccer league. He has he has a new team in the MLS. He owns the team, which is, you know, pretty crazy. And I think he got a lot of people like me, especially watching LA Galaxy games, which I wouldn't have done if David Beckham weren't there. So I think the fact that, you know, you, you count his time with the LA Galaxy, you can't how popular he is among people in the US. He's super influential, and I think people don't give him the credit he deserves. No, I, I 100% agree. Uh, about the MLS in particular, I don't think it's legitimate. I think it's successful. I, I don't think the level of play is close to what 
we we kind of think of when we think of elite level soccer it's just because as a nation we're kind of conditioned to just watching soccer every four years when the world cup comes around and i i obviously and you do as well we watch soccer separately we have our teams that we support whether it's premier league or or like brazilian teams or whatever soccer we watch but a lot of people just end up watching those world cup games and then we see the united states struggle on a national stage and we think why isn't soccer where it is right now beckham definitely helped establish the mls and give it that legitimacy now that a lot more players are considering joining mls and over time it will get better right now it's still not a great league just to watch soccer but it's getting there and beckham definitely helped with that so yeah i agree i think the mls is at a point in terms of how good of a league it is that it's obviously not on, it's obviously not on the level of the great league so that's la liga that's epl and then after those two i guess maybe Syria in League One, and maybe Bundesliga, mm-hmm. right? Because especially in Syria, League One and Bundesliga, there's like three good teams or two good teams that have all the best players. Everyone else kind of sucks, mm-hmm. right? At least in EPL and La Liga, teams are a lot more fair. But if you look at other leagues across the world, like Liga MX, or you look at um, the, the league down in Brazil or, or Argentina, I think the MLS is, it feels kind of weird saying this, but they're, they're not as bad. Like they're not that bad. They're kind of comparable to Liga MX, especially. Like they've gotten a, a lot, lot of bad teams in Liga. The, the parity is much better in the MLS now, just because it's a lot more even. Before there were only I think Atlanta and LA teams. Those were the ones that were kind of running, kind of running the MLS. But now there's a lot more competitiveness. At least I I still don't want to say it's a fun, good league to watch, but it's getting there, and I think that matters. I think it's a fun, good league to watch. I watch MLS games. I think they're pretty entertaining because there's a lot of parody. Beckham was important. I'll give you that. There we go. All right. For my number five, I have no one other than one of my favorite players to ever be in the NBA, Manu Ginobili. And I use his move in pickup, in IMs. The Eurostep kind of took on its own life after Ginobili just kept using it over and over again. Manu kind of sparked an innovation in basketball where players became more stylish with their moves. Players like Harden have even said on interviews that they were inspired by the way Ginobili played. And whether it was in that upset of Team USA in 2004 where Argentina eventually ended up getting that gold medal or it was Manu's willingness to come off the bench and just be a monster for that Spurs team. He never started games, but he always closed them. And he was one of the most clutch players growing up that I got to watch. And I think for players like Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford, anyone who came off the bench, he kind of set that precedent that even if you are more talented than some players on the starting lineup, you will have a chance to close the game. You will contribute to your team in ways that, can't really be measured and he I think he's one of the most quiet future hall of famers he has done so much for his national team he's brought awareness to the sport in South America he he's one of the most crafty ball handlers unbelievable finisher relentless competitor I think Ginobili is a great he is undoubtedly a great 
He definitely contributed a lot to those Spurs teams, and I think he's one of the best international players to ever play the game. And I kind of always forget that he's the one that popularized the Eurostep, and I think that move is so legendary. People talk about it all the time, so I think I, I agree with his inclusion on this list for sure. Yeah, my number five is Tony Hawk. And I think the reason, again, why I put him on this underrated influential athletes list is the same reason why I put Michael Phelps. Is he is the greatest athlete in a sport that people often forget is a sport or people don't take seriously. Tony Hawk is so influential that he literally has video games called Tony Hawk Pro Skateboarder. And I remember playing those games at Forest Park <laughs> on the computers during computer lab. Like, I, I remember playing those games so much. And, again, the reason why I think he's underrated is because people forget about him. People forget how legitimate of a sport skating is. And people forget how great of an athlete Tony Hawk was. And he's invented some moves that, to this day, some people still can't do. So I think he's underrated just in the sense that he was super influential, but people never remember him. And, you know, people always look at skateboarders and see them as you know, X or Y, they have stereotypes about them. But Tony Hawk definitely broke those stereotypes and brought skateboarding into the main uh, the, the mainstream. And I think there's a reason why the X Games are now popular. And there's a reason why people still respect and adore Tony Hawk today. Oh, I agree. I think skateboarding before had that notion of it's kind of like a street thing. People only do it when, like, when people aren't watching. Like, they have designated skate parks. It's not something you just do in public. But... Tony Hawk took skateboarding and made it cool. And I think every X Games highlight you watch, any any major skateboarding meet you see, uh, Tony Hawk's trying something new, half pipe, 720s, whatever crazy things he comes up with. But he, yeah, I agree. I have no problems with Tony Hawk being on the list. I think he's one of the underratedly influential athletes in our generation. Yeah, I just regret not being able to put sean white on this list honestly because i love sean white and i think he's had a very similar legacy and influence compared to tony hawk mm -hmm. but it's just i had to choose one or the other i honestly should have put them both but they both deserve I a spot i agree cool my number four is not the basketball player but the non the non-court side of kevin durant and all the decisions and things surrounding his career that have influenced the sport in ways that a lot of people haven't. So I'm going to start with the 2016 free agency where he decided to go to the Golden State Warriors. That broke the league for two and a half plus years. Just because when you think of the talent assembled on the Warriors with Durant, Curry, Clay, Draymond, there is no team that can match four all-NBA caliber players to that roster. And people like to say the 95-96 Bulls, was that the 72-10 and 10 team? Yes. People Maybe. like to say that is the greatest team of all time, and I have no problems. The second best team of all time is any iteration of a championship-winning Warrior team with Kevin Durant because the lineup of the four players I mentioned before and any fifth player, often Iguodala, there is no way you can guard that lineup. There are too many offensive weapons, and on defense, they're equally lethal because Durant's an underrated defender. But I'm going on a tangent here. I just wanted to talk about that free agency decision. He broke the league 
and he created a new race of super teams that took what LeBron did when he went to Miami and escalated to a whole nother level. It made the NBA kind of teams just racing to acquire top talent instead of building from the bottom up. And I think for that, we have Durant to thank. And then in 2019, there were two injuries that changed the outcome of the league. One was against the Rockets. The Rockets had just tied the series 2-2. Durant was out. And they they really looked like they were going to win that series. They had a game five at Golden State, no Durant. And the Warriors found this source of energy and just a will to win that I really didn't think they had in them at that point. And then they stole game five. Game six, no Durant again. Everyone's expecting Houston to tie the series. And they crumble, they choke. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was Durant's injury that kind of woke up a very lethargic warrior team at that point, but they forced Houston to make the move to trade for Russell Westbrook. And we'll never know how that panned out, but he he changed that team. And then in the finals against Toronto, when he had his Achilles injury, which is super unfortunate, we got a year of prime Kevin Durant taken away from us. He affected the free agency that he was going to be a part of. And a lot of teams kind of took second looks at Durant and do we want to sign this guy? Before, there was no doubt. Every team was going to put up the max for KD. But he had fewer suitors than I think he would have had if he was healthy. And with the whole ordeal of the Warriors kind of mishandling that injury situation before the finals, he he kind of felt the need to go. And that set off a whole other cascade in which the Warriors got D'Angelo Russell. Durant went to the Nets. And... We'll, we'll never know how that turned out because of the season possibly being canceled. But there hasn't been a player who has influenced off-the-court NBA things in a way like Kevin Durant. Probably LeBron, but that's why I'm saying underratedly influential. It's going to be Kevin Durant. I think he's been super influential. I think people know that. That's why I didn't put him on my list, honestly. But I agree, super influential. So for me, my number four was Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think, again, of the major four sports, the NHL is the one that gets the least love nationally. People always forget about it. People are always like, oh, yeah, bro. The NHL is for Canadians and people from Minnesota. And true, to a certain extent, they do have their fan bases. But I think Sidney Crosby is definitely one of the most popular NHL players, other than Alex Ovechkin. But I think Sidney Crosby is kind of the Wayne Gretzky of our generation in the sense that, no, he's not as prolific a scorer or passer as Wayne Gretzky is, and he's not the player Wayne Gretzky is for sure. But he's still damn good. He's one of the best players in this generation, if not the best player. And he's led the Pittsburgh Penguins to multiple Stanley Cups. And I think the fact is he always keeps the Penguins relevant in the playoffs. And he's just a consistently great player. And I think he's one player that helps keep hockey relevant. And he's one player that helps bring new fans to hockey. I agree. And with I, w- I, w- I was thinking of Ovechkin for this list. And Crosby's a great choice as well. Because, yeah, 
you think about not only the goal scoring, but the assists as well. And I remember he and Evgeny Malkin always had really good goal scoring connections. And often Crosby was on the passing end of that. So he was a winning player, still is. And yeah, I agree with that inclusion. I would love to include Ovi on this list, honestly. And I think it's just in terms of American and Canadian hockey, I think Sidney Crosby has a much bigger influence. But I think internationally, Ovi has a bigger influence, but still. I mean, there's a reason why Team Canada keeps on winning the gold medal in the Olympics and keeps on winning national or international hockey competitions is because of Sidney Crosby. There's a reason why Russia doesn't necessarily win them. It's not because Ovi's not good. It's because Ovi's probably the best Russian player. Their disparity is very big. But yeah. yeah. You like to think what Sidney Crosby's career would be if he wasn't injured as much in his early years because he, I, I don't know if you remember, he always had some type of concussion, some sort of like injury that kept him out 20, 30 games. And it's kind of like Ken Griffey Jr. Both of them are like Griffey Jr. is a Hall of Famer. And Sidney Crosby is going to be like enshrined in is it just the nhl hall of fame like is that what it's called yeah i think that's what it's called maybe the hockey hall of fame hockey hall of fame for sure he's gonna be in there yeah i I think it's a pretty good comparison but i mean it's hockey man like concussions are pretty common in hockey i know but i felt like he was always getting some some sort of chippy injury here and there compared to the other stars but yeah it's really sad but i think he's for sure a player of the potential caliber of Wayne Gretzky. He's not as good as Wayne Gretzky was. He's not the person that leads the most goals and assists in the NHL. Like he, He's not Wayne Gretzky, but still, I think he's our generation's Wayne Gretzky. Agreed. All right. At three, I have Russell Wilson, who was never appreciated for how, how he takes rosters with seemingly no weapons and leads them to the playoffs year after year. I'm, I have a few stats of Wilson's. His rookie year, his touchdown to interception ratio was 26 to 10. And after that, he's thrown 26, 20, 34, 21, 34, 35, and 31 touchdowns in those years. And his career touchdown interception ratio is 227 to 68. He is a Super Bowl champ. He is a seven time Pro Bowler, which honestly doesn't mean anything. He is a second team All Pro. His first All-Pro selection, which is unbelievable this past year, considering how much he has done for the sport and how much he's, he's done travesty, for that. criminally underappreciated. The, the most underappreciated quarterback in recent memory. Um, he has the most passing yards in a playoff game by a rookie at 385. And for his first eight seasons, he has the most regular season wins by a quarterback. He's just a winning player who seems to do all the little things People call him hustling, bustling Russell Wilson, and I agree. He's just always doing something to extend plays. He's very comfortable as a pocket passer. People like to view him as kind of a, not necessarily a running quarterback in the way Vic was, but definitely kind of more compared to what Aaron Rodgers is in the way that he extends plays. But I think Wilson does more, and... I think Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers gets all the hype for all the talent, all the throws he can make, justifiably so, but Wilson has led to more winning with less, and I just think he's never going to be talked about in that top tier of all-time NFL quarterbacks. 
but I think he is. I think when we're making our top 10 quarterbacks list in our first episode, I literally forgot about Russell Wilson until like I was just making sure that I included everyone. And I was like, wait, he's supposed to be up here. Like He's supposed to be in the top 10 for sure. Like No way he's not going to be on it. It's just you always forget Russell Wilson. And I think a lot of things you said are true. He makes a lot out of nothing. I think he's such an accurate passer. He has some insane throws where he's like running to the left and he just throws a bomb into the end zone and somehow reaches the target. And the fact that his best receiver this year was probably Tyler Lockett and the fact that it still made the playoffs tells you how good Russell Wilson is. DK Metcalf, dude. Metcalf was so much better than Lockett. Metcalf only blossomed in the second half of the season. Yeah, but I think he was his go-to target in the playoffs. For sure, but still, I think, consistency-wise, Lockett was his best receiver. But in general, even DK Metcalf is a rookie wide receiver. And if Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are your two best receivers, and then Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston has Goodwin and Evans. Evans, It's crazy. So the fact that Russell Wilson was able to do so much out of so little, he's such a good quarterback. And I think him and Aaron Rodgers are pretty comparable talent-wise. I'm not sure about the whole Russell Wilson is way better than Aaron Rodgers deal. I don't Um, think he's way better. I just think he's better. I think they're equal. I think I am I'm on the train of Aaron Rodgers is slightly overhyped. And I think there's I'm on the train of Russell Wilson is criminally underappreciated. It's just there's always like there's Mahomes, there's Brady, there was Manning, there's Rodgers, and there's Breeze. And after that it's like, oh yeah, then there's Russell Wilson. So it's just like he's like a tiny step below the great great ones. And is that's why you forget him. It's because you could only think of, oh, there's only four great quarterbacks in the league right now. Brady, Mahomes, Breeze, and Rodgers. And I was like, oh, yeah, wait, there's Russell Wilson too. So He's kind of underrated the same way like Tim Duncan is in basketball. Yeah. It's very similar. I agree. So my number three underrated influential athlete is Rod Laver. I think when we're thinking about tennis legends, we think of a lot of today, which is very blessed today to have some incredibly influential and legendary tennis players like Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Djokovic, even Murray and Wawrinka are very good players. And I think if you look at the past few years before that, you have Roddick, you have Sampras, you have Agassi, uh, Agassi. You have so many on the male side, even on the female side. There's so many legendary ones. But I think one we always forget is Rod Laver is because when he was playing, and he was playing super well before the 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 open era. Um, he was one of the best tennis players of all time. And if you compare him to the early greats, he didn't have the size, he didn't have the strength, he didn't have the speed necessarily, but he had the technique. And if you know anything about the old days of tennis, is the rackets are much different than they are right now. And the days when Bjorn Borg played and um, Ron Labor played, the, the rackets were made of wood. And the racket heads, or like the face of the racket, was much, much smaller. So the sweet spot was literally like the size of a tennis ball. Compared to now, the sweet spot on rackets is huge. You can hit the ball almost anywhere on the racket, and it will go across the net. So the fact that Rod Laver was such a good tennis player 
without having all the physical attributes meant that he was so good technically. And I feel like if you could give Rod Laver, if you could go back in time and get Rod, give Rod Laver today's rackets that our tennis players today use, he would literally have won every single major for 10 years straight. No doubt about it. He was that good. Even today, you see him play when he's like in his 80s or 90s. He's incredibly good with the racket. And so I just think he's criminally underappreciated. He's one of the best, if not the best tennis player of all time. And I think one thing that makes me feel happy that I included him on this list is you see Roger Federer is a huge Rod Laver fan. And Roger Federer helped start the Laver Cup, which is an international kind of not serious, but very serious charity, I believe it's for charity, I'm not sure, tennis tournament in which Team Europe plays the rest of the world. So essentially, there's players that play for Team Europe, and there's players that play for the rest of the world, and there's coaches for both of them. So the first year uh, of the Labor Cup, you had Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, much for the people playing the same team. This past year, you had Federer and Djokovic playing on the same team against, you know, Team World is very good too. You have American players like Query. And then you have international players like Kyrgios, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very fun to watch. And I think the reason why Federer started it was because he knew that Rod Laver's legacy needed to be secured. He does. He isn't, you know, the the namesake of center court, essentially, at the Australian Open. Laver, uh, um, Rod Laver Arena. But still, I think people always forget how good of a tennis player he is. When people are mentioning great tennis players, they mention John McEnroe. They mention Andre Agassi. Pete Sampras, Bjorn, Bo- Bjorn Borg, Yvonne Lendl, Roger Federer, but they always seem to forget Rod Laver, and I think it's really sad. I agree. I just think Laver was... N- not enough people watched him, at least where we are now and kind of the audience we're reaching out to and a lot of the people we know. They, they didn't grow up watching Laver the same way they grew up watching McEnroe, Sampras, Agassi, and obviously now with the big four, but... Yeah, he was number one for like seven years from like mid-60s to early 70s. And maintaining that number one spot for seven years is kind of insane. And yeah, I agree. If you gave him today's game, if you kind of just like time teleported him here, he would he would thrive the same way he did back then. So yeah, I agree. I've seen very limited Rod Laver highlights. I just see kind of like, yeah, the charity events in honor of him. Those are always fun to watch, but... Yeah, I have no problem with him being that that high up, actually. So, good on Rod. I have, as my number two, my... I don't know how I rank him, but he's one of my favorite players of all time. Allen Iverson. And I put him both for what he did on the court and kind of his legacy off the court regarding the NBA. So, he's six foot guard he accomplished so much in his career he averaged 27 six assists and in the playoffs he has the second all-time highest scoring average other than Michael Jordan and in his career he almost had 25,000 points he had nearly 6,000 assists nearly 2,000 steals and he's one of since Michael Jordan probably one of the best statistical output players this league has seen and I think other than that, he he kind of changed the league by bringing the whole brash hip-hop culture to the NBA. And he was the first star that really had like 
like the the cornrow hair he had tattoos he wore baggy clothing he had throwback jerseys that he wore to honor like people who passed away any players he appreciated he really changed the whole culture of how players acted in the NBA and how fans like grew to love that culture which became so linked to the NBA and you see AI at all these events kind of embracing the greats talking with players who just retired he's becoming more and more a very central figure in the league and he's one of those legends that no one will ever have anything bad to say about him whether it's the nasty highlights like stepping over Ty Lue or leading depleted Sixers teams to the finals I think he had he he took the worst supporting casts and made the most with them and especially given his size that's so impressive but AI is definitely up there in terms of most influential players and athletes of all time I 100% agree with everything you said it's just for me when I think of most influential NBA athletes AI is like the fourth or fifth person to pop in my mind so like when he's so high in terms of in general talking about influential athletes in the NBA I just couldn't put him on this list because this is about underrated influential athletes so but I agree with everything you said I love AI I mean who doesn't love AI man it's this AI I just I I don't know if he's he's rated as much as he should be in terms of that regard just because people will always go one Jordan two LeBron and then they don't really know anyone else or they won't say anyone else that truly changed the league I think they might go Magic Kareem um Barkley Pippen they'll they'll wait a while Kobe they'll wait before coming back to AI and I just think he did more for the league in terms of a culture standpoint than what people tend to remember but yeah definitely so my number two underrated influential athlete is Mia Hamm because in my opinion she brought American soccer to the forefront as to what it is today and I think she influenced an entire generation of people that currently make the U.S. the greatest women's soccer nation in the world you see people like Carly Lloyd Megan Rapinoe Alex Morgan people from the past generation Abby Wambach all these people were inspired by Mia Hamm because without her and without her legendary performance in that world cup and especially that game against China in the finals we wouldn't have seen American women's soccer especially be the way it is today. I think every single person in the world will agree U.S. women's soccer is infinitely better than U.S. men's soccer right now. And it pisses me off that there's a pay gap. And I'm really mad that I think women's soccer should honestly get paid more than men's soccer right now in the U.S., the national teams at least. Because I would rather watch a women's national team game a hundred times than watch one men's game. I just think... The talent they have is so much better. The personalities they have are so much better. And I think all that is kickstarted by Mia Hamm. If Mia Hamm doesn't do what she does in that World Cup, if the U.S. doesn't win that game against China, millions of girls during that generation, during the 90s, aren't inspired to start playing soccer. And you see how good of a system, essentially, women's soccer has in this country, especially compared to men's soccer. You know, you men's soccer is barely a Division One NCAA sport in schools, but it's a Division One sport in most NCAA schools. Um, so you see that even at the you know middle school, elementary school level, women's soccer is much more developed than men's soccer. 
And I think the reason for that in America is because of Mia Hamm. And without her, we would not see the multiple World Cups that the U.S. women's team has won in the last few years. So, Yeah, she really helped turn U.S. soccer or women's U.S. soccer into like a powerhouse globally. And she had a lot of charisma, a lot of flair. She was, she was like the spokesperson of the team. And she still is, I think, third all-time for most international goals scored. So the, she's, she obviously made like a strong contribution. And she was, I don't know where I saw this, but she was like the first woman inducted into the national, or not national, the World Football Hall of Fame. So yeah, her con- contributions aren't, there's nothing to scoff at. She's definitely deserves to be up there. Um, I didn't get a chance to see her play too much. I've just seen all the the classic highlights of her in World Cups, but I wish I did. Yeah, I think it would have been very impossible for us to see her play live. Sure. Even like full game tapes, like I haven't, I haven't really watched her. Yeah, that's true. I've I've watched like ten fifteen minute highlight videos of U.S. women's soccer games from that World Cup. So. But still, that's not enough to understand how good of a player she was. But I think that's the whole point of this list. Mm -hmm. Agreed. All right. I technically had a top nine list. My one is kind of troll. But I have Adrian Wojnarowski (laughs) as my number one most underratedly influential guys, athletes, anyone you name it, of the last 20 years. At this point, no basketball news can be reported without Woj confirming it to be true. And to have your legacy as the NBA standard bearer for spreading news, spreading information and just dominating the basketball media scene. I think that deserves to have recognition on this list and no one's going to talk about Woj the same way they talk about Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, all these great, great athletes, but he's pioneered a new race in sports media that cannot be understated and people kind of like to use him as a meme like oh like did you see Woj drop this like Woj drop that it's it's never with respect or reverence but he's done more for basketball than a lot of people who have been associated with the NBA and he's doing great charitable work he always has players on his podcasts he checks in on people all the time he's very beloved in the NBA. He seems to have no haters other than when he drops unsettling free agency news and a fan base goes insane. But that I, this isn't even my one. I, I guess AI was my one. This is kind of just like an additional like troll pick. I have Woj on my list. Hey, man, I, I love those Woj bombs. It's funny that you say Woj is your number one because my number one is Shams. What a coincidence. Interesting. Nah, my number one is not James. James is definitely not as James is as not even. But I do love the rivalry. Man. Do love their friendly rivalry. My number one was Steph Curry. The only reason I put him on there is because there he still gets hate. People are talking about it during quarantine. I'm seeing it on Twitter. People are just aren't giving Steph Curry the love and respect he deserves for literally changing the NBA and changing how the game is played. I don't think I need to expand that much in terms of how influential Steph Curry is in today's game. Just really makes me mad when I'm scrolling on Twitter and people are trashing on Steph Curry like, oh, he's not that good. Oh, he didn't do that much for the NBA. Like, bro, are you kidding me? Have you watched the NBA? Like, 
You think Ben Simmons would even take a three pointer? Steph currently, if Steph Curry didn't do what he did, like no, dude. Like if Steph Curry wasn't there, Ben Simmons would like be like the model archetype NBA player. But now we all make fun of Ben Simmons for not being able to shoot for his life because he can't make a three. Like all because of Steph Curry. There's a reason why Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee take threes because of Steph Curry. So. I think he's underrated. I don't think he's underratedly influential. I think Curry's the most influential player in basketball in the last 20 years. And for that, I could not put him on my list. I was thinking about it, but there's he he completely changed the way floor spacing happens in the NBA now cuz at this point, there are guards in the league you have to pick up at half court. Trey Young, um Dame Lillard, your boy Devin Booker, um Bradley Beal. There's just the, the list goes on and on. I Curry really changed the way basketball is played. He helped usher in that transition from the slow grinding kind of drive and dish approach to basketball that dominated the mid two thousands and early parts of twenty ten, and he took it to a whole new level. Three point shooting is now the norm in the NBA. He's Never going to get the respect he deserves just because of the lack of final M- finals MVPs, even though he should have won the first one instead of Iguodala. I just can't call him underratedly influential. He's underrated as a player just because people always, like, dog him for just random stuff, but I don't know. The only reason I'm saying this is purely because I saw on Twitter today people were trashing on staff, so I just wanted to put him on my list to clap back at them. But, yeah. yeah, I I ain't gonna argue, Steph. I'm I have nothing bad to say about the man. I know, yeah, almost about to a fault, but you know, whatever. Hmm. But yeah, those were our top ten most influential, underrated, influential athletes. So, you know, follow our Instagram podcast that locked in. Let us know what you think. Message us. We love hearing your feedback. If you want to be on a podcast episode and. If you're serious about it, people have talked to us about it, but if you're serious, tell us, hey, I want to be on an episode and I want to talk about hockey or I want to talk about, you know, how good Tom Brady is. Um, talk, we'll invite you if we ever decide that we want to talk about that topic. Be persistent and let us know. We would love to have guests. We have yet to have our first guest. Maybe episode five, we'll have a guest. We'll see. We'll have uh, some surprises for you guys. And we'll yeah. we'll keep posting like, fun polls and debate questions on our Instagram. So just keep engaging with us. We're, we're just here to give you good content during this time off. And exactly. Yeah. Any questions, any, uh, any advice you have for us, keep sending them our way. We'll, we're, we're taking everything you guys said and tell us and trying to incorporate that into future podcasts. So yeah, we've, we we're trying to grind out these, these episodes while keeping you guys happy. So Definitely, yeah. I mean, thank you guys so much again once for listening all the way through, especially those few of you that listen all the way through. We really appreciate it. Shuts up, Riyamashi. Happy birthday. But uh, anyways, stay tuned for the next episode. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. Peace. Everyone said